today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So you got one builder that builds upon the sand and the other builder that builds upon the solid rock. And so when, not if, when the storm hit and the storms hit, the house that was built upon the sand came down crashing and Jesus says it was a great crash, but not the house built on the rock. It withstood. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Timothy. Today, Pastor J.D. will be encouraging you to live your life according to the Word of God. Obeying God's Word is the same as building your house on solid rock. When a heavy storm comes, your home will have a foundation and won't be easily moved. Living according to the world, however, is like a home on sinking sand. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Nine truths about the church of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. And the first one is in verses 14 and the first part of verse 15. And it's that the church is the church of the living God. Here, Paul makes it clear how God's people are to conduct themselves in the church. Timothy is a pastor of a church, and he's just got done outlining, bullet pointing, very specifically, the godliness, the godly characteristics, especially for those who desire to serve in the church. There are prerequisites. They ought to conduct themselves in a godly way. It's godliness, not giftedness. And sadly, the emphasis in the church today, and I'm not trying to bash and beat up the church. I think the church is already beat up enough. Or as we say here, bus up. I I like that word, bus up. But the church has emphasized, to their own peril I might add, the giftedness over the godliness. We talked about that last week. And so Paul is sort of expounding on the why behind the what of godliness. This is how God's people are to conduct themselves in God's church. Why? Because it's the church of the living God. God is here. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Wherever there are two or more gathered in His name. I think there's more than two people here. (laughs) He's in our midst. I think of Psalm 1611, I think it is, if my memory serves me correctly. He inhabits the praises of His people. That's why the praise and worship is just so, man. He inhabits our praises. He is present here in this, His church, amongst us, His people. It's the church of the living God. And you want to close it? 
I'm sorry, I just did the very thing I said I, I didn't want to do. But if the living God is here, and this is the church of the living God, then where are people going to go if they can't go to the church of the living God? Second one, second part of verse 15. The church, it's the pillar and foundation of the truth. For those of you who are maybe in construction or know about building and the importance of the foundation, if that foundation isn't solid, forget about it. (laughs) And Jesus says as much, very interesting, in Matthew's gospel, again, if my memory serves me correctly, I think it's chapter 7, where he teaches this parable of two builders. And both of these builders, interesting, have a lot in common. Apparently they were both building a house at the same time. They both went to the same church at the same time. What? Here's how I get there. They both heard the word of Christ. So they must have went to the same church and heard the word of Christ. Or they heard Jesus speak. This is a parable, and this is the point of the parable. So you got one builder that builds upon the sand, and the other builder that builds upon the solid rock. And so when, not if, when the storm hit, and the storms hit, the house that was built upon the sand came down crashing, and Jesus says it was a great crash, but not the house built on the rock. It withstood. Why? Because it was built on the solid foundation of the rock, immovable. And that rock is Christ. And that rock is the words of Christ. And it's even more specific than that because Jesus says, the one who built on the sand did not put the words of Christ into action. The one who built, this is the only difference between the two. They both built a house. They both heard the words of Christ. But the one who built on the rock, the reason that his house did not come crashing down was because he applied the Word of God in his life. He applied the truths of God's Word. That was his foundation. That's the church. The church is the foundation. This is how God has ordained it. That's just the foundation. Let's talk about pillars. you got a couple right here. We had to leave them. So sorry about the line of sight. You don't need to see me anyway. I'm not that easy on the eyes. (laughs) But when we remodeled this building, in fact, there were a lot of pillars that were, and we just basically walled them in. But if we did not leave these pillars, well, we wouldn't be here. This thing would have come crashing down. That's what holds it up. You see where I'm going? You got the foundation. Oh, by the way, speaking of foundation, so this was a a surprise. You know, we bought this building. It was in a horrid state of disrepair. 
Some of you who were here at the time know. I've got before and after pictures to prove it. They're breathtaking. I mean, when some, some of the people came to see this building uh, after we purchased it, they actually thought that I had lost my mind and, you know, that we had gotten ourselves into that. It was just, there's no way this could be a church. And I, I don't, I didn't blame them. I mean, you looked at this thing and it was just, it was crazy. I mean, it was just, there was, <laughs> we had, we found out that there was a void underneath the concrete where you're sitting. You're okay right now, but uh, <laughs> where the ground underneath the concrete had settled, and there was like six, eight inches. So we had to tear out the concrete. Man, I'm, st- I'm having a flashback. It was like $150,000. <laughs> and uh, we had to pour new concrete to have a solid foundation. And you've got the foundation, but you've also got the pillars. That's what keeps it holding up. The church is the pillar. The words of Christ, the foundation. You know how sometimes somebody will come up to you and say something like, how you holding up? The implication being that, man, you're you know, you're going through it. How are you holding up? Well, I tell you, I'm not. But God is. Because He's my foundation. And He's the pillar. And He's my truth. And that's the pillar and the foundation of truth. The question has to be asked, if the world is falling apart and bottoming out, and the world is falling apart and bottoming out, where can people go if it's not the church? Where are they going to go? Number three, first part of verse 16. It's the great mystery of godliness. Now here, Paul turns a corner of sorts and says, without question, some of your translations render it, without controversy. This is unquestionable. Without question, the church is where the mystery of godliness is revealed. It's not what, it's who. And the who is Jesus. That's what the church is. It's that place where the mystery of godliness is revealed. And this ties into the fourth. And it's that Jesus is God in the flesh. You know this uh, passage that we have here at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 3, some suggest was actually a hymn. I mean, it really is melodic and poetic. I just, I loved reading it. I'm sure you did too. I I kept going back over it and over it again and just reading it. And I mean, it was, wow, powerful. Well, here's why. 
the revelation of the great mystery of godliness is Jesus who appeared in the flesh, becoming a man, Emmanuel, God with us. By the way, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses don't believe this, what I just said, and what God's Word here says, not just here, but throughout the pages of Holy Writ. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And Balaam, could you imagine? This is not based on a true story. This is a true story. This actually literally happened. So he, could you imagine? He's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. This has never happened before. I mean, I just, I open my mouth and what pours out is this blessing. It's okay. Well, maybe it's where the location is. Let's, let's go higher to a higher mountain. I want you to try again. Maybe you, you just need to be able to see all, because you have to understand this was a massive number of Israelites that were camped in this formation. Hundreds of thousands. Some suggest even potentially a million or even more when you count men, women, and children. So massive number of people. So, hey, let's go to a higher peak here on this mountaintop where you can see them and then pronounce the curse on them. So they go. I'm wondering what the donkey's thinking right now. I never thought I would wonder what a donkey was thinking, but (laughs) he's probably thinking, this is not going to end well, and it didn't. So they go to this top vantage point on this mountaintop, this peak, and sure enough, out of his mouth, instead of a curse, comes this glorious blessing. Oh my goodness. And it doesn't work, and there's a reason why it didn't work, because you see, you had this tabernacle, which is a type of Jesus Christ, right smack in the middle of this formation, which was in the shape of the cross of Jesus Christ. And there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, no curse on those who are in Christ Jesus. Numbers 22. The cross of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, before the Romans came up with crucifixion. And that's why. Where am I going with this? That's what the church is. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. This is the church of the living God. Jesus the Christ, God in the flesh, is encamped and in and tabernacled amongst us, right smack in the middle of us. You want to try to go ahead? Bring it. You might want to ask Balaam about that first, see how that worked out for him. Or maybe talk to his donkey instead. He'll tell you all about it. This fifth one's interesting. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit's declaration 
was a vindication. Some of your translations render the word justification, which can get a little bit um, gnarly. I'm going to use that word gnarly. I had somebody say, that's such an old word. Well, I'm, I'm an old man, so... <laughs> so 80s. Well, that's fine, whatever. So it's because if you say justification, the implication is that Jesus had to be justified. No. But when you say vindication, well, then that changes the whole complexion of it. He was vindicated. It was a vindication by way of a declaration that Jesus was and is the Son of God in whom the Father is pleased. This again ties in with the next one, which is even more interesting to me. Paul says that he is seen by angels. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that angels were watching, observing, and saw this marvelous and miraculous incarnation of God through Jesus. What a sight. This would suggest that angels are observing our conduct and the unfolding of God's eternal plan which is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. Do you ever think of it like that? No, I don't want to get too far into this, but there are in the spiritual realm right now the angelic host. The angels are watching over us and this God's church. And not only are they watching, they're observing, they're studying. You know when in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus says that when someone repents and gets saved, the angels rejoice. It's, here's the picture I get in my mind's eye. I get this picture of angels just watching, going, like they are right now. <laughs> I hope that doesn't weird you out, but it's true in the spiritual realm. They're, 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 they marvel as some translations render, they, they just marvel at us. And here's the thing, when we get to heaven, we're going to be judging angels. They're probably looking at us, I hope he's not the one that judges me. <laughs> I hope she's not my judge. I hope he is. He's very gracious, that guy. But they're studying us, they're observing us, and they're watching us as the church of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do with the person of Jesus Christ. Because, see, that's what eternity hinges on. Our entrance into heaven. And the gift of eternal life is predicated upon what we're going to do with the person of Jesus Christ. And the angels know it. They observe it. They watch it closely. They study it. And they marvel. It's almost like... I don't like to say it this way, but I see it this way. It's like they're scratching their heads, going, oh my goodness, if this people only knew. And they just marvel. 
They just marvel at us. They just, they, I know the angels given charge concerning me. I know they've scratched all the hair off their head. <laughs> but I mean, they just, just like, wow. This is just, this is amazing as they observe us. Well, the seventh one, we're going to get real. This is where it really gets real. (laughs) Because Jesus is preached among the nations. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the main reasons, I just cannot shut the doors to this God's church. This would be it. Again, not to be derogatory towards any pastor who has shut their church. I just, (laughs) the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ being preached among the nations to me is reason enough. You'll forgive me for my candor when I say this, but What message does closing down a church send to a lost and dying world? I remember back in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. Remember that? Oh my goodness. And sadly, uh, particularly on, you know, Christian TV and radio, you had these, by the way, you'll never hear a plea for money at the end of any broadcast of ours. And if you do hear, you let me know right away, because that ain't us. But there were these ministries pleading on TV and radio, you know, we've been hit by this financial crisis, and we need your love gift to stay on the air. To which I say, well then just go off the air. Is that harsh? Because, see, what you're, the message you're sending is that this financial crisis, the worst since the Great Depression, has affected God. Is that a stretch? It shouldn't be, because we're the representation of God. The church of Jesus Christ is a representative of Jesus Christ. I know this is a crass way to say it, but we're the advertisement for Jesus Christ. And when you start talking about, man, this, you know, financial crisis is really bad and it's really taking a toll on God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Wow, God's broke? Well, you'd think so. Listen to some of these people. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from First Timothy with Pastor J.D., Approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. This can be found on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of 1 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 1 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 